Welcome to The Real Enneagram, A Spiritual Quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Join us as we experience the vital teachings of Enneagram expert Dr. Joseph Howell, clinical psychologist and author of Becoming Conscious, The Enneagram's Forgotten Passageway. Relax as you are taken beyond personality typing to The Real Enneagram, The Spiritual Development of the Soul. Welcome back to a podcast today that is sponsored by the Institute for Conscious Being. I'd like to introduce Dr. Joseph Howell. Hello, Erica. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm happy to be here today. You look nice today. Thank you have a you. very colorful, colorful shirt on. Well, it was a sunny day. Does that, is, does that represent how you feel today? It does because right. I feel kind of Arizona-ish. Do you, you, you yeah. look a little bit like oh, that. That's I like good. the turquoise and the yeah. orange. You know. It's a good color Thanks. on you. So. Thanks. Um, and I'd also like to introduce Nanette Moodyum, and she uh, is currently a registered nurse and also the director for St. Michael's Clinic, which is a clinic that serves the underserved population here in Anniston, Alabama. And Nanette comes to us because she is also a student in the Institute for Conscious Beings trainings program, and we've, we've loved having her. She's brought a lot of wisdom. Nanette, you're also the mother of two, is that right? Yes, two two children and two grandchildren. Great. So. We're hoping to hear some stories about them in okay. this podcast because <laughs> I've met your son. I have not met your daughter, and your son is delightful. So, And then myself, I'm Erica Jobes, and I'm really just a nobody. I'm just here to keep this podcast moving. Well, you're on the faculty. Oh, okay. Yes, I'm on also, the faculty. A fellow nurse as well. That's right. I'm yeah, also so, a registered so nurse. not a nobody. So if, if Dr. Howell has any health yes. issues today, we've got it covered. We should be able to take care <laughs> yeah. of them. We can keep him alive until the ambulance gets <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, but I would like to point out he is in perfect health. So <laughs> <laughs> we should be good. So, okay. Uh, so today, Dr. Howell, we want to talk about the soul child. And up till now, we've talked about uh, a little bit about the Enneagram, some fundamentals. We've introduced... The mind center, which includes the Enneagram types, the six, mm-hmm. the five, and the seven. Mm-hmm. As we always, people say, why do you say the six first? And that's because it's on the triangle, which we'll continue to talk about. So anytime we bring something up on this podcast sure. that you say, I have no idea what that means, okay. just stay tuned because yeah. we're going to talk about it. But then we also have talked about the heart center, mm-hmm. and those are the Enneagram types, the three, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. two, and the four. Mm-hmm. And then also the body center. Mm-hmm. And those are the Enneagram types, the nine, the eight, and the one. Right. And I put the eight in front of the one because I am an eight. Right. That was the purpose of that order. Right. We're glad <laughs> you did that. Thank you. Okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you want to discuss today? Well, you know, the soul child is um, a, 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 an aspect of the Enneagram that isn't really taught in a lot of uh, Enneagram schools. Um, because it's um, it was kind of lost from the early teachings. Although uh, Sandra Maitri teaches it uh, extensively and writes about that concept, and so does um, her teacher, A.H. Uh, Almas, uh, very little about the psychological structure of the soul child is taught in Enneagram schools and institutes. Um, partly because it's very difficult to explain at times to people. Uh, It's got to be experienced. 
it cannot be just dryly taught as if it were in a psychology class. And that's why we teach it experientially in the Institute for Conscious Being, because the soul child is a a real living entity within us that we were when we first came to earth. It is, I say, it is the gateway to our soul because it's the first little being who we ever were, ever, uh, when we were in the womb and when we were first born and when we were very, very small children. The soul child is very vulnerable, very mischievous, very um, energetic, uh, acts uh, shamelessly, acts without guilt, and um, really is the raw human being that expresses pure, unconditioned soul. And that's what you and I were when we came to Earth. Now, the soul child is hidden. It, it's really repressed. In fact, if, if you had uh, imagine a pie for a moment, there's a crust that lies over the cherry pie. The real cherries, the real goody, mm. is underneath the crust. Well, our soul child is kind of underneath a crust inside of us. It's hidden. It pokes through every once in a while. Sometimes when we get a little mischievous or want to do something daring or maybe just speak out of our, you know, impromptu self without any filters, that's our soul child trying to express him or herself. And the soul child expresses itself in its soul qualities as well. Beautiful unprotected empathy, beautiful giving without expecting anything in return, wonderful brilliancy of being able to have clear and sharp uh, perceptions of what the truth is in a situation. Remember that quotation, out of the mouths of babes come words of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Because babes aren't really trying to dress up their perceptions. They're not trying to filter them. It's just exactly what they think. And that truth is clear. It's crystal clear. And it's rooted in divine wisdom. Now, I know that Nanette and her husband, Sai, who's also a student in the Institute, um, has has just really gotten a smidgen of the soul child, but you have had the experiential exercise Mm -hmm. of having gone through getting in touch with your own soul child in conferences and partially in some of our teaching at the Institute. Could you just describe what that's like for you to come in contact with all that beautiful stuff under the crust? (laughs) I'm I'm glad to hear that it's beautiful. Um, that that really is uh, quite the liberating concept um, to find out that beyond this ego self that I've been struggling with um, for my 47 years, that there is something really true and real 
um, underneath it. And so in, in my time, um, I identify as an ego type nine. And in, in my time of, of, uh, of, of being a scholar in your program, I've been through three of them now, three intensives. Um, so I'm, I'm learning, I've been through the body centers. And so getting, getting my bearings and trying to understand what it all means, um, for me and how, what a liberating thing that can be for me. Um, but the liberation is the soul child is recognizing that there's something really valuable, um, those, those deep things in me um, that can kind of bubble through the crust of the pie. Mm-hmm. And hooray, maybe, maybe we can find out that that's the good part. And so the soul child of me is, is a three, um, which has been, uh, I think I asked you in the very beginning after okay. our first intensive, I said, how, how do I do the work of the Enneagram? And, um, you basically said, well, first it's awareness that there is a path and that there is a way, there is a way to that lost little person on the inside of us. And that if, if I will start becoming aware of the path that I can start working my way there because she's still here, right? I, that, that person's still here. Do you remember the moment when you realized that? Do you remember what that meant for you? When you realized as the ego type nine that your your soul child, your essence really is that 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 yeah i i i think i think it was probably uh, honestly in the first uh conference that i went to um where um dr joe did a, a guided meditation into your uh, to reimagine your your backyard and i um I I absolutely saw her. She she what she was, was she there. Doing? She was on a swing set, which in my backyard, which is where I spent a lot of time. And um and uh, yeah, she was having the time of her life and uh and she she wanted to fly and touch the sky and um that bliss and that joy and that um lack of um inhibition that inhibition um was just amazing to me to to even touch it just for a second and and to really realize that 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 power of that personality um of that true essence is still there yes you know it's really your life force yes it's your soul it's it's what animates the human being from really being even as early as the womb Mm-hmm. the stirring the the uh the perception of being loved the perception of being attached mm-hmm. um just imagine uh little babies who really have no language and they have no ego they really don't have a very extensive cognitive system but they have a first language which is the language of the senses smell, Mm -hmm. taste, being cuddled and hugged, Mm -hmm. hearing. All of the five senses are the only way the little soul child who's pre-verbal can ever find love and give love, and they do. You know, except for fear of falling and fear of strange faces and loud noises, There is no fear in a baby. The only thing they do is give love and receive love. And they get uncomfortable when they need to be changed. (laughs) And they let you know. And they're not proper, 
That's one thing about a soul child. They're not mm-hmm. talking proper. Mm-hmm. They're saying, change me. Mm-hmm. And they're going to scream until they're changed. It's the raw, beautiful human being, just as they are, completely in their true nature. And we've got access to that again. Mm-hmm. And the Enneagram points us to it. Um, you say your soul child is found at the Enneagram energy of three. Mm -hmm. You have to go against your arrow to get there. Mm -hmm. Can you tell about going against your arrow? Yeah, it's, it's not where I want to (laughs) go. It's, it's not an, it's, it, it, it is going against, you know, I have an, as a nine, I kind of have a natural um, inclination towards um, inaction and so to to move towards three is actually is is the point of action mm-hmm. and it's to say I've, I've got to push out so it, it it does take a um a pushing beyond my own limitations but i what i find is it's where the real reward is i recognize that in my in my past of of spiritual practices and whatever pursuits um i've engaged in i've realized that ultimately all of that wherever st- whatever strength I found in it was actually the energy of three. And um, so it's, it, there's enough reward, enough incentive um, to get out of, of the place I, I can comfortably be at in nine um, to want to want to get there. So yeah, it is against the arrow, but it's, it's where the reward is Mm -hmm. because that's where she is the little girl inside with the life force Mm -hmm. and so that's the reward in it to me so when you do you have an an example maybe of a time recently when you were at you know in your ego nine Mm -hmm. and uh life sends you a situation and your first your your default uh, action is maybe inaction, mm-hmm. but but because of awareness or consciousness, you were able to move against your arrow towards the three. Yeah, I I, I actually do that on a I, I do it on a regular basis in my job because it it is a uh, when you run a nonprofit it is a it's a job of a lot of passion mm-hmm. um, and it has to be um, because if not you can't take care of as many people you can't do as much so um, I'm I'm in a new year of grant cycles and and of, of, of things that demand action if I'm going to help more people and so yeah in in action um, I, I can kind of float along and take care of the same amount of people that I'm taking taken care of and we can kind of stay you know um in mediocrity but if i want to do more if i want to expand my days of operation if i want to get more funding if i if i want to help more people then i'm going to have to push against this arrow and and when i do it um it it feels um it it, it it feels empowering. It feels compelling. It feels um, rewarding. I know I keep saying that word, but it's because, and I'm not talking in any sort of way of monetary uh, reward. I'm, I'm talking about a deep self-satisfaction that I, that I am doing what I was made to do. And, and that's the description of living out of your essence. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And okay. saying uh, it is, it would be so easy for me just to kind of to be inactive, to just float along. Right, because on a, on a good day, uh, your productivity is probably pretty good. And it's easy to become complacent mm-hmm. and just to stay at good. Yeah, 
but living out of your essence, you're able to means I'm going to, I should do more and that I can do more and that I have a capacity to do more. And so you reach more people and more people Mm -hmm. uh, receive health care and, and feel loved. Yes. Good. Absolutely. Good. It just goes to show you that really that the three is your true nature. Mm. How do you feel about that? Um, it, it feels a little bit, um, it feels like I don't have an excuse to stay, to to stay in my um, apathy sometimes. But or this is the shocker, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mean, yeah. we have all the Enneagram schools that really, and and rightly so, stress typology, which mm-hmm. is wonderful, and mm-hmm. it's nice to know all of the advantages and to be aware of the disadvantages of one's ego type. Mm-hmm. Your ego type is a is a nine. Yeah. Um, but you haven't stayed in your ego type. You're not trying to develop your nineness per mm-hmm. se. Mm-hmm. Going against the arrow has brought you to a whole new area of life force that's very familiar to you that had been repressed and covered up mm-hmm. because as a young child it was shut down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you've rediscovered it. Yes. It's the true you. Well, I I think we rediscover it though in a way that is uh, uh, unfortunately a little bit like the pie. It it normally takes some heat, <laughs> you know. It takes some life circumstances that 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 make you boil over sometimes and say, you know what, this this ego type isn't working for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not producing the results that I want, and so mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna have to do if I if 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 I'm want a different life, I'm going to have to do something I haven't ever done before. So, you know, we know insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to, there's some change is going to have to occur. And and normally a life circumstance motivates us. And I think most of what I find is the people who come uh, to to the scholars program are people who've who've hit a wall, who've had circumstances, who, who've reached the critical mass of suffering mm-hmm. the way you say it. And um, and have decided that there's got to be something more than what our ego has delivered for us. Right. Well, and they may have come to uh, learn that there's more than just learning about your type. Mm-hmm. That, yes. there's, that the purpose of, of the Enneagram may go a little bit deeper in helping us find our essence, and that's where we find our true joy. Mm-hmm. So, Why do you think that's ignored so often, the, the idea of movement? In the Enneagram, because you know you don't stop at your soul child, you you continue against the arrow to the next Enneagram energy, picking up all of the wonderful qualities of consciousness of that number, and then you continue until actually you get back to yourself at a much higher level of consciousness. Yeah, I, I think honestly, it's because that the Enneagram is so intriguing at just the basic level. So it's just very interesting for me as an eight, an ego type eight, to know everything about myself because I'm kind of arrogant anyway, right? <laughs> so what I'd like to do on all the Enneagram books is go straight to chapter about the eights, read all about myself, you know, the raging eight, and I'm the boss and all those things. And then I think a lot of people just stop there until they have a situation like Nanette just brought up where uh, they realize that, that 
this ego type eight, and this was my situation, and the way that my ego type eight was responding to these life events was no longer working for me. And, and you know, somebody say, well, what does that mean to you? Well, I was um, completely disillusioned with my career and my faith. And I had on the outside looking in was the perfect life, but I was unhappy. Mm. And so if you're listening to the podcast and maybe you're in a situation where you feel the same, maybe you're not, that's okay too. But, but that's what compelled me to go beyond the chapter of the eight in typology because hearing you speak that there's more to it, that there's a, there's relief mm-hmm. from the suffering that we you know kind of created for ourselves in some way. I know some people have suffering created by others, but for me as an ego type eight, I believe I had created a lot of my own suffering. And to learn that my essence, when I go against my arrow at the eight, I move to the ego type two, the healthy aspect of the ego type two, and actually. Instead of being a raging eight that's bossy and demanding and stomping around and telling everybody what to do and really being angry and sarcastic, for me, my anger uh, surfaces sarcasm, very sarcastic, Uh, to realize that my essence is that that very nurturing, compassionate, giving, loving space of the two. I'll never forget the day I realized that. Mm. Uh, It just knocked me over because that is really where... I find my joy. And as a little girl, uh, my nickname was Love Bug because I was so loving. And I would, didn't know a stranger or crawl up anybody's lap. And when I went to the backyard ex- exercise mm-hmm. like you're talking about, mm-hmm. Minute, that was the little girl that I saw in the backyard was friendly and loving and happy and full of joy. Mm-hmm. And to realize that in our adult state, no matter what our life circumstance that we can learn how to get back to that place inside of ourselves. We can't often change our external circumstances, but we can change our lens and our view, and we can feel that joy and that peace again. That's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. What's it like for both of you to know that the ego that you were in for 20 years or so is, is not the real you? comforting (laughs) yeah um yeah I do think it's comforting I think uh, I I think it starts to help you make sense of why it it hasn't worked you know like there there's there's a missing piece of me um that that can really help me to live a a better life um a more satisfied life because I think there's some there's something that's missing in us and our satisfaction with who we are that is only found when we rediscover our soul child, when we rediscover that. And people do this. They they rediscover it without the Enneagram. They do this through other practices that lead them to, to, to discover, oh, that, you know, that in that powerful eight personality, um, that there is um, somebody who, who passionately works on behalf of the, the plight of, um, of the poor uh, against injustice. And they... They feel some connection with that. Well, there's a logical reason why. That's because that's who they were born to be. Right. Don't you think? Well, absolutely. This just puts vocabulary around yeah. that that 
truth. Yes. The wisdom that is in this universe. Yes. Well, and it's helped me to discover there's a map that will really actually tell you how to get there. Um, and, and I appreciate like knowing like what's my, I think most people appreciate knowing what is my next logical step. Mm-hmm. And for somebody in an ego type nine, their next logical step is that they are a soul child of three. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that gives me, and obviously every three is going to look different. They're going to look three in their own way, but it, it gives me an idea of why I feel, um, I feel strength. I feel a um, momentum. I feel energy when I move towards that, towards that essence. It's a direct experience of your own soul. Mm-hmm. You're directly experiencing it's, mm-hmm. it's a felt presence of your soul. Mm-hmm. And it completely bypasses all thinking. Very interesting. So what happens to her nine, that ego nine, when she moves against her arrow to the three? I I wonder if some of our listeners are thinking, does my ego type change? No, your ego type doesn't change. It it, it served you well. Um, You know, everybody's little soul child was shot down terribly, either gradually or quite quickly. Um, I remember I cut all my hair off one day and I just thought it was wonderful. I was three and a half and I did it with scissors, looked at myself, was very proud. And when my mother woke me up from my nap with my cut off hair, she asked who had done it to me. And I just calmly said, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Well, I knew exactly what she was talking about. But that was the first little edge of a little soul child learning to protect himself. I was putting on a bit of an ego. And that ego type of mind continued to develop until that innocent child watched himself before he did such a thing again. In other words, that and other circumstances brought my ego into play. And in this very uncertain world, we need an ego. We need it to protect ourselves, to motivate us through the world, and we need it as kind of an image. You know, we've got to have a name tag or a name or a way to be identified. The thing about it is, the ego has no access itself to doing spiritual work. It can assent to it, and it can agree to it, but it doesn't have the level of consciousness to do the real spiritual work necessary. It was Einstein who said, I believe, any problem, no problem, can be solved on the level of consciousness that created that problem. So if we have problems in our life due to our ego and our personality, We've got to go elsewhere to find the answers. The answers are really within us, and they really start with the soul child. You know, Christ himself, a great master, a great teacher, and the pathway to enlightenment for billions of people said there is no way to enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become as a little child. That's profound. 
because he was saying what we really have come back to. That ego that we've lived in has got to be stripped away, but we keep the wisdom that it taught us and we combine it with the wisdom of our soul and that creates in us an absolutely new being which is miraculous. I'd like for us to discuss that on our next podcast, but what are your thoughts about what I just said? Well, I think that explains a lot because, you know, the ego isn't a bad thing. No, it's not. And we continue to live out of that ego. Yeah. I will never not be an ego type eight. Right. I will always be able to make decisions quickly. I will always know. I will always be action oriented mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But having the knowledge that at that the essence of the two, that being loving and nurturing is really my true nature. It really, in a, in a, this may sound crazy, but it kind of gives me a license to, to be loving and nurturing mm-hmm. and to know that that's really what I was created, that I'm, that I kind of have a superpower there. And because I, I don't do it for anything in return when I'm living out of my essence. I, I feel like, it, it, honestly, you could have the best of both worlds almost. Yeah. Like, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. I, we, we don't have to discount who we have been. We've learned from it, as you said. I love the, the way you say Let, we're going to keep the wisdom of mm-hmm. our ego. Um, but there is a lot of strength and, and a lot of liberation to be discovered um, when we can find our essence. Well, you wouldn't want to lose you, at, at your ego type nine, your ability to mediate mm-hmm. and your peacemaking skills. Because mm-hmm. I know you mm-hmm. and I know that you have a presence that's peaceful and uh, probably makes you incredibly good at what you do, working with so many different types of people that come into that clinic. Yes. You wouldn't want to lose that. No, definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, great. Well, we're coming to the end of this podcast here, and I want to thank Dr. Howe uh, and Nanette for joining us today and talking about the soul child. I also want to invite you, if you're interested in learning more about this, to visit the ICB.org. It's our website. On our website, you can find information about our training program. You can also find information about our next event, which will be held at St. Mary's in Tennessee, and that is on March 1st. Uh, St. Mary's Retreat Center in Suwannee. Tennessee. Thank you. Mm-hmm. More details. And so we have that on our website if you're interested in learning mm-hmm. about that. March 1 through 3, 2019. Great. Okay. Well, thank you again for joining our podcast, and we look forward to uh, having you join us on our next pod- podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Check out our website at www.theicb.org. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot O-R-G. If you have questions you would like to have answered on this podcast, just email us at the address on our website, theicb.org, under Contacts. And if you would like to attend one of the conferences or other events of the Institute for Conscious Being, you will find these presentations on our website under Events.